my name is Tiana Richards. I am the coordinator of Multicultural Student Affairs. And on behalf of the Black History Month Committee, I would like to welcome everyone to today's Black Monologues Project. First, I will begin with introducing our facilitator for this afternoon, Dr. Amani Wazwaz, who earned her doctorate from Loyola University. During her doctoral studies, her areas of specialty were cultural studies and the 19th and 20th century American literature in multicultural contexts. For her dissertation, she wrote about the role of the body in pain in African American literature and the 20th century American literature. At Moraine Valley, she currently teaches composition, American literature, African American literature, non-Western literature, and nonfiction creative writing. She has a great interest in African American literature, world literature, American literature composition, and creative writing and visual arts. Her research interests center around the writings of Frederick Douglass. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Armani Wazwaz and our students today. Welcome everybody and thank you so much for coming to this event. Go ahead. I am Alvin Ailey, choreographer and activist. But don't let the choreographer part turn you away. If you think you are no, a dancer, know that dance is for everybody. I believe that the dance came from the people and that it should always be delivered back to the people. Dance didn't become part of my life until after high school. But once it did, once it did become part of my life, it was there forever. I was born in 1913 in Texas. I moved to California with my mother while there. I enjoyed learning languages, singing spirituals in glee club, writing poetry, and seeing theater. A friend of mine introduced me to a dance club through Lester's Horton's studio. Horton became my mentor. His school was the first multiracial dance school in the United States. I studied around California, finding out what I wanted to do. I met a woman named Margaret Johnson, and we performed at a nightclub act together. You might know her as Maya Angelou. I went back to study with my mentor and was in several films as an actor and dancer. Eventually, I began choreographing and directing. I was also invited to be on Broadway and more films, working on uh, Truman Capote and Pearl Bailey and Lena Horne. But I wanted to create my own style of modern dance, and so I formed the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. My dance company has always been diverse, unlike other dance companies in the 1950s. Oftentimes, I face racism and discrimination but the stories of the African-American people inspired all of my works. I used African-American music and revelations, blues suites, and I dedicated cry to my mother and black women everywhere. I asked that dancers infuse my choreography with their own personal style and incorporated elements of jazz, ballet, modern dance, and later hip hop. I also founded the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater in New York. And our goal is to provide access to the arts in undeserved communities. The school now trains over 3,500 dancers each year. By 1977, the NAACP awarded me the Spin Guard Medal and I received the Kennedy Center Honors in 1980. But in 1989, I died due to complications from HIV AIDS. <laughs> Wanting to protect my mother from the deep stigma that existed around HIV and AIDS and homosexuality at that time, I asked that the doctors announce, my diff announce a different medical condition for my death. President Barack Obama in 2014 awarded me the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Thank you. I am Alvin Ailey. I was born in 1845 in Massachusetts. My parents were slaves and moved 
after being freed. I became interested in nursing during my schooling, and after seeing so many nurses during the Civil War, I was admitted to the program at the New England Hospital for Women and Children, the first school to allow women as loud as men. Even though I was too young for minimum standard of age, I was admitted because I had worked hard at the hospital, nearly 16 hours a day, in various jobs. Nursing school was extremely challenging. The days were from early morning to late at night. I worked as a private nurse to earn money as well. Our last two months at the program involved using our skills in new environments, like hospitals or private homes. But I graduated in 1879, the first African-American female to do so in the US. I fought hard against discrimination. I and other black women, especially nurses, that we faced often. We were often acquitted with the help, despite our advanced degree and skills. I worked as a private nurse for a long part of my career and gained an incredible reputation. I finished out my career working at the Institution for Free Colored Children and the Colored Elderly. I founded a nursing association since the main association did not set black people at the time. I was very vocal about the women's right movement to vote and was one of the first women in Boston to register to vote. I stayed active in the fight for civil rights. I am in the American Nurses Association Hall of Fame and the National Women's Hall of Fame. There are health centers, a Congress resolution, a lecture series, an award named for me, the Mary Mahoney Award from the American Nurses Association is awarded annually to a nurse or a group of nurses showing commitment to diversity and inclusion within the nursing profession. Thank you. I'm Mary Liza Mahoney. I'm Chicago's best kept secret. I'm regarded as the first permanent non-native non non-native settler of what later became Chicago, Illinois. I, and, is, and I am recognized as the founder of Chicago also. It has been said that the Af I am from African descent, but little else is known of my life prior to the 1770s. They call me the father of Chicago. I was born on the island of ha Haiti around 1745 to a French sailor and mother who was, slave, who was of slave descent. I settled and traded around the Great Lakes in Illinois, in the Illinois country, which changed hands several times among the French, Britain, Spain, and the United States. I was educated in France and then, in the early 1770s, sailed to New Orleans. From there, I made my way up the Mississippi River to Peoria, Illinois, where I met and married a Native American woman, Kiwata, and had two children also. This where I developed my interest and skill of trading. I was first recorded. I was first recorded as living at the at the mouth of the Chicago River in a trader's journal of the early 1790s. I established an intensive and thriving trading settlement, in which later became the city of Chicago. I sold my Chicago River property in 1800 and moved to St. Charles, now in Missouri where I, I was licensed to run, my, to run Missouri Ferry. I had a successful role in developing the Chicago River settlement but was not recognized until the mid 17th century. At my trading post, I served Native Americans, British and French explorers. I spoke Spanish, French, English and several Native American dialects, dialects which served him as well and entrepreneur and media. In 1779, during the American Revolution War, I, I was arrested by the British military on suspicion of being an, Af being an American sympathizer. In early 1700s, I worked for the British Lieutenant Governor on an estate at which, I, which is now the city of St. Clair, Missouri, Michigan. I sold my estate on May 7, 1800. My wife and son passed away. Then I returned to Peoria, Illinois. Later, I moved to St. Charles, Missouri, where I died August 28, 1818. 
I am John Baptiste, Point Dusava. Thank you. I was one of the most successful and distinguished female African-American news correspondents of all time. Having worked for the Washington Post, the New York Times, NBC, and PBS. Born in New York on September 29, 1955, I majored in communications and became a reporter for the Boston Herald American in 1977. While later working for the Baltimore's Evening Sun, I had my first opportunity to work in front of the cameras as a host of a new show for a local public television station. I continued working for the New York Times as a White House correspondent and as a local and national political reporter for the Washington Post before joining NBC News in 1994 as a congressional correspondent. I also appeared as a guest on political programs such as Meet the Press and Washington's Week. Thanks to my analytical skills and journalistic savvy, PBS hired me in 1999 to work for two of its programs, News Hour with Jim Lair and Washington's Week. In 2013, I became a co-anchor and a co-managing editor with Judy Woodruff for News Hour. And we became the first woman to anchor a network news program. I was the first African-American woman to moderate a vice presidential debate in 2004 between Dick Cheney and John Edwards. And then again in 2008 between Joe Biden and Sarah Palin. Overall, I covered several seven presidential campaigns and reported on a range of issues from foreign affairs to US politics and policies, interviewing national and international newsmakers. A well-respected journalist, I receive a number of honors as well as more than 20 honorary doctorates and wrote a book, The Breakthrough Politics and Race in the Age of Obama in 2009. I was a board member on several prestigious organizations and was included in Ebony Magazine, list of 150 most influential African Americans. I died of breast and endometrial cancer on November 14, 2016, at the age of 61, but left a legacy of being a trailblazing barrier-breaking journalist. Thank you, I'm Gwen Eiffel. I was born in Baltimore, Maryland on July 2nd, 1908. I was, good, I was a good student, but I often got in trouble for misbehaving. My dad enjoyed going to court and listening to law cases. This caused me to want to become a lawyer. Oh, I messed up. Okay. <laughs> I attended college at Lincoln University in Pennsylvania. While in college, I enjoyed being on the debate team and I joined Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity. After graduating, I wanted to attend the University of Maryland. However, they wouldn't allow me because I was African-American. I went to law school to Howard University instead, and I finished first in my class. After graduating and passing the bar exam, I opened a small law practice in Baltimore. One of my first biggest cases was against the University of, of Maryland. Remember, they wouldn't admit me because of my race, and they was doing the same thing to those years later. So I fought the University of Maryland in court for discrimination and won the case. Now they will have to let every African, every African American attend the school. Go ahead. This was just the start of my fight against segregation. I began to, I began to be known for both of my skills as a lawyer and my passion for civil rights. I became the chief counsel of the NAACP and for the, over the next seven years, I traveled around the country defending African Americans who are often wrongly accused. 
I often saw, often fought against segregation and Jim Crow laws of the South. Eventually, I earned the nickname Mr. Civil Rights. Our most known case was called Brown versus the Board of Education. In this case, I argued that schools should not be segregated. I argued that separate schools does not define equality. In a landmark decision for the Civil Rights Movement, I won the case showing that segregation was unconstitutional. President Lyndon Johnson nominated me for a Supreme Court judge in 1966, and I was confirmed by the Senate on August 30th, 1967. It became the first African-American Supreme Court judge, and I served for 24 years. On January 24, 1993, I passed away. I left a legacy using the law that oppressed people and the Constitution to fight for the rights by breaking down racial barriers, including achieving one of the highest positions of government as Supreme Court. I am Mr. Civil Rights, Thurgood Marshall. I am, and always will be, a catalyst for change. I am Shirley Anita Chisholm, a congresswoman, civil rights activist, social reformer, and educator. I broke down racial and gender barriers in the 1960s and 1970s, and made history not only as the first black congresswoman, but also as the first black woman to seek a major party's presidential nomination. Brooklyn raised and born on November 30th, 1924, with international roots of a Barbadian mother and Guyanese father. I grew up as one of eight kids during the Depression and understood the meaning of hard work and saw education as a means to secure my future. After receiving a master's degree in early childhood education, in 1951, I began a distinguished career as an educator, which led to my activism within the community for the NAACP. In 1968, I made history by becoming the United States' first African-American Congresswoman and was placed on the Veterans Affairs Committee, eventually graduating to the Education and Labor Committee. Also. I became one of the founding members of the Congressional Black Caucus in 1969 and championed minority education and employment opportunities throughout my 10 year in Congress. I went on to run for the 1972 Democratic nomination for the presidency, becoming the first major party African-American candidate to do so. My campaign, Unbought and Unbossed, was full of challenges. I received multiple threats against my life, including assassination attempts, and was granted Secret Service protection to ensure my safety. I even had to sue to be included in televised debates during this time. I have been inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame with a forever stamp as part of the Black Heritage Series and a Presidential Medal of Freedom with a movie about my life and wrote two political memoirs, Unbought and Unbossed and The Good Fight. I died on New Year's Day, 2005, at the age of 80. And I want you to remember me as a woman who dared to be a catalyst of change. I don't want to be remembered as the first black woman who went to Congress. And I don't even want to be remembered as the first woman who happened to be black to make the bid for the presidency. I want to be remembered as a woman who fought for change in the 20th century. In the end, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. I am Anita, I am Shirley Chisholm, thank you. I am Dr. Macy Jamison, an American physician and the first African-American woman to become an astronaut. At the age of three, I moved to Chicago, where I was introduced to science by my uncle, 
which developed an interest throughout my childhood in anthropology, archaeology, evolution, and astronomy. While in high school at Morgan Park, I became interested in biomedical engineering. After graduating at age 16, I entered Sanford University, where I graduated with a degree in chemical engineering and African-American studies. In 1977, I entered medical school at Cornell University, where I pursued an interest in international medicine. After volunteering at a summer refugee program in Cambodia, I was determined to study in Kenya, where I worked on several research projects, including the development of the hepatitis B vaccine. Upon returning to the United States, I applied to the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, NASA, to be an astronaut, and I was one out of 15 accepted out of 2,000 applicants. In 1992, I spent more than a week orbiting the Earth in the space shuttle Endeavor. In space, I can remember looking down, seeing Chicago, and I said to myself, to never be limited by other people's limited imaginations. I was making history and a path for the future. In recognition of my accomplishments, I have received several awards, such as the 1988 Essence Science and Technology Award, was named Gamma Sigma Gamma Woman of the Year, received the Ebony Black Achievement Award, along with the Montgomery Fellowship from Dartmouth College. Also, there are several public schools named after me in honor of my achievement. After leaving the Astronaut Corp in 1993, I established the Jameson Group, became a professor at Dartmouth College, started the Earth We Share program, and published my autobiography, Find Where the Wind Goes, Moments from My Life. Thank you. I am Dr. May C. Jameson. <laughs> I float like a butterfly, but I sting like a bee. Of course you know who I am. I'm not the greatest, but I'm the double greatest. Not only do I knock them out, but I picked around. I'm the boldest, prettiest, most superior, most scientific, most skilled fighter in the ring. I am the only fighter to win the heavyweight championship three times. I won 56 fights and I only lost five. At one time in my life, my championship title was taken away from me because I refused to fight in the Vietnam War. I ain't got no quarrel with them Viet Cong. They wanted to put me in jail and I had to appeal. Three and a half years of my life were lost when I was denied fighting in the boxing ring. People either loved me or they hated me for my political or my religious views. Yes, I converted to Islam. Remember, I am America. I'm the part you won't recognize, but get used to me, because I'm black, I'm confident, best believe I'm cocky. It's my name, not yours, my religion, not yours, my goals, my own, so get used to me. Even when I won the lightweight championship medal in the Olympics in Rome, at only the age of 18, many restaurants in my hometown of Louisville, Kentucky, they still refused to serve me. In my late 30s, my health started to decline, and I was later diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. In 1996, three and a half billion people saw my vulnerability as I trembled while having the honor of lighting the fire in our summer Olympic Games. I spent many years of my life doing my Muslim duty of giving to others of all faiths. It's estimated that I must have helped feed well over 22 million hungry people. What I suffered physically was worth what I accomplished in my life. A man who was not courageous enough to take a risk will never accomplish anything in their life. I'm not afraid of dying. I have faith. I do everything I can to live my life right and believe that dying will most definitely bring me closer to God. So I'm telling you, live every day like it's your last. And don't forget, the service to others is the rent you pay here for your room on earth. Thank you. I'm the double greatest, Muhammad Ali. Yeah. I was an American singer, songwriter, 
civil rights activist, actress, and pianist that began my career singing gospel music. I am Aretha Louise Franklin, born March 25, 1942, in Memphis, Tennessee, the fourth of five children to Baptist preacher and gospel singer. At the age of 10, my family relocated to Detroit, Michigan, which led me to teach myself how to sing and play, and, pay, and play the piano. By the age of 14, I had recorded and released the album songs of Faith in 1956. I also performed with CL's Traveling Revival and Show, while on tour, became friends with great gospels, such as Mahalia Jackson, Sam Cooke, and Clara Ward. Also, at the age of 14, I became a mother to my first son, Clarence, and Edward came two years later. At the age of 18, I embarked on a secular career recording for Columbia Records, Atlantic Records, and Arista Records, which hit songs such as Chain, 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 Chain the Fool, Whenever I Wake Up. Before I put on my makeup, you make me feel like a natural woman. You better think, think about what you're trying to do to me. Rock steady, baby. That's what I feel like. By the end of the 1960s, I had become to known as the queen of soul. By 1987, I became the first female artist to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and received an honorary doctorate for the University of Detroit. That same year, I released One Lord, One Faith, and One Baptism, which won the Grammy for Best Soul Gospel Performance. In 1993, I was invited to sing at the inauguration of Bill Clinton. And the following year, I, was I received both a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award, and the Kennedy Center Honors. On the morning of August 16th, 2018, I died of pancreatic cancer. And I must tell you, I retired and I feel very, very enriched and satisfied with respect to where my career has came from and where it has gone. I love you all. I am the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. Okay, please a round of applause for our talented students. Okay, let's get to know them and what this project has meant to them. So for uh, the first student, could you please tell us your name? major and what semester you're at at Moraine Valley? Sure, my name is Curtis Griffin. Um, I am majoring in performing arts and this is my last year at Moraine. Okay, that's awesome. How did it feel like uh, to play this character, Curtis? Felt really, really good, especially when you can, um, when you can connect to uh, the character that you're playing as, it, it, like, it was second nature to me, you know, Alvin Ailey was a choreographer, and he was an activist. I love dancing, I love theater, and that's exactly what he was into. Yeah, it, it was so easy to play him. It felt really good. Okay, so you connected to him, felt it was second nature, which is absolutely awesome. When you were uh, outside, what reactions did you experience when playing your character? <laughs> um, a lot of surprise. Reactions. Uh, a few, a few people kind of like stared and anticipated. They were like, "Oh, like who is this kid?" Like a lot of confused uh, reactions as well. Like uh, we never see like people in, you know. Um, I wasn't yelling or anything like that, but I, they were looking <laughs> at me like, "Oh, this dude is yelling. Why is he yelling?" Like I don't know. Just a lot of confused expressions, I guess. Okay, so a lot of response, uh, a, a lot of surprises, a lot of uh, confused reactions. How has this figure 
influenced you in life today, Curtis? Alvin Ailey, um, he influenced me through his story. Um, reading this monologue, um, it, you know, he went through, obviously, he went through racism, he went through discrimination, um, but the key thing to him was that he didn't stop. And his, you know, people say, you know, oh, you know, you just gotta keep going, you know, even, it's hard. Sometimes it, it really is hard. When you're confronted with that, it, it's a hard thing to move on. But he didn't let that stop him. And for me, you know, I, I'm a very charismatic person. You know, I'm very optimistic. Uh, so I feel like if I'm ever confronted with something like that, hopefully I'm, you know, I'm not going to be going through that. But if I ever do, um, I'll just keep it trucking for sure. All right, so the biggest lesson is that he faced so many harsh experiences with racism, with prejudice. And it's not like, you know, certain like perceptions that it's easy to pick up and keep on going. When he picked up and he kept on going, it took a lot of strength from his heart and soul. I hear you. All right, if I could please have everybody uh, say their names first and then I'll go back and ask you the questions. So Curtis, you went first and your name and then first your names and then, and then I'll go back. My name is Yamia Robinson. My major is media studies and this is my second semester here. My name is Jacob and my major is forensic science and this is my second year here. My name is Daisha Robinson. I am majoring in communications, and this is my last semester. My name is Damon Wilson. My major is biology, and this is my four, fourth semester. My name is Aaliyah Black. I am majoring in uh, sorry, computer science. This is my last semester at Moraine. My name is, my name is Kirsten Beatty. Uh, my major is theater, and this is my last semester at Moraine. Hello. <coughs> I'm sorry. Hello, my name is Drew Williams. Uh, my major is paleontology, and this is my second year at Moraine. My name is Brianna Hedrick. I'm majoring in acting and communication, and this is my last semester here. Thank you, Brianna. So we're going to let me have it back. It's your turn, and I want to ask you your name again, please. Yamia. Okay. I want to ask you, how did it feel to play your character? Um, it felt very inspiring to play her because one of the reasons why I was so excited to do this um, live museum was because a lot of people don't know about Mary uh, Mahoney and the work that she has done and mm -hmm. the legacy that she left. And I was just so happy to play her because I was so happy to discover that somebody did all of this hard work and like no one knew of her. And I just felt so inspired to just tell everyone about her. And I was, yeah, very inspired by her. That is awesome. What reactions did you experience when you were playing your character? Uh, it was a lot of surprise reactions, like a lot of confusion because no one like knew who she was, and they're like, eh, they didn't know like whether to clap or not. But they were, it was mixed reactions, and but overall, it's positive. Okay, all right. So surprise, but positive, mixed reactions. And how has this figure influenced you in life today? Uh, she paved the way for so many. Um, like black women and black men in the medical field and you know it's a good thing because you know like when I whenever I like go to doctor and I like you know like doctor or the hospital and I see people who's doing that that look like me makes me feel a lot more comfortable um and also just her her motivation like she went through like a lot of stuff and she just didn't put her past behind her she like learned and grow from her past and that's how she was so strong and yeah Right, thank you so much. Okay, next, can I please have your name once again? Um, Jacob Murray. Okay, uh, how did it feel to play this character? Well, it actually, it felt good to play this character, actually, not only playing the character. When I was asked to do this, I was like, who is John Baptiste? Then I did my research and I'm like, oh, everybody know, I think this is important to do because everybody know who founded the United States as a whole, but who founded Chicago, 
by itself, Chicago by itself, because that's important to know, because we all come from here. We all from Chicago. You know, Chicago is actually one of the best tourist spots in the United States, actually, in my opinion. I don't know about what you guys think, but it actually <laughs> is. So it would be cool to put information out there like, oh, who is who founded this place? Like, oh, John Baptiste found, founded Chicago. And not only that, he has a museum and a high school named yes. after him, which is located on the south side of Chicago. It's the DuSable Museum. It's actually pretty good. I've been there before, so yeah. Right, that is awesome. I want to ask you, what reactions did you experience when uh, playing your character? Reactions? It was like, uh, reactions. It was, you know, shocking probably to people, especially to a lot of people that know me. Like when I when they seen what I had on, it was like, <laughs> what, what you got on? What you wearing? <laughs> like <laughs> for real? What you doing? And so, yeah. It was different. It was, good. it was different, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and not used to seeing you <laughs> dressed this way, okay. How has this figure influenced you in life today? Actually, it influenced me a lot because John Baptiste was a risk taker. He was a businessman and he got his things. He did what he had to do. And that's how I, f I feel like all from no matter where you come from, you always gonna be considered a risk taker because you're going outside your norm to do for do anything capable, anything possible. And I feel like that's important. That's a good thing to do. Like he founded Chicago. Like who would you did you know he founded Chicago? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh well she did, but she did. That's different. But like did anybody else know that she founded Chicago that he founded Chicago actually? Sorry about that. Like so it's actually pretty good. So Okay. Obviously definitely very inspired. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Next. <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm Deja Robinson. Okay. All right, Deja, how did it feel to play this character? Uh very very cool because I felt I felt like it's connected to her. I just her story was so inspiring for a black woman to be, like the first black woman to anchor her own news show. It was really hard back then for black people. It's still hard now to have black people on TV, especially movies and things. So she really paved the way for that. I felt really inspired by it. <laughs> All right, so very inspired. And then when you were in the buildings acting her character, what were the reactions to you? People were surprised. She's very underrated. So they, when I spoke about it, they were shocked because they'd never heard of her before. All right, so they had not known of her, and how has she influenced you in your life? Well, now reading her story, I'm very excited to continue my education because I'm going to School of Communications as well. So to see that all the work that she's done and look what she has did since she's well, since passed away, I just I can't wait to be in that same position, kind of, because I see where she what she did, and I want to do the same thing. Okay. All right, okay. So that is absolutely amazing, a very real inspirational figure and somebody who was in your field of interest. Okay, next, your name, please. Hey, my name's Damon. Okay, Damon, how did it feel like to play uh, Thurgood Marshall? Uh, it felt like the complete opposite of who I am because uh, he's okay. a lawyer and I don't like to argue, so it, it was different. <laughs> okay. All right, so somebody completely opposite uh, from your personality. When you were out there, uh, different parts of the campus at Moraine Valley, what were people rea oh, people's reactions to you? I got congratulated for graduation. Okay. I got some good jobs, and um, they, uh, some people asked me who I am. Okay, all right, good. So they actually approached you, right? Okay. I want to ask you, uh, reading up on the life of Thurgood Marshall and taking a part in this, how has his biography influenced you? Um, it influenced me because uh, what he did um, with the case, Brown Boys versus the Board of Education, it made me, um, it gave me uh, more inspiration, more drive to finish school because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. Um, and then it, it showed me that when the door closes, it's, it's always another door open. And also, that you can come back and kick that same door open and make opportunities for others. All right, beautifully said. 
Beautifully said. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, Aliyah, you're next. Um, how did it feel to play this character? It felt an absolute privilege to play Shirley Anita Chisholm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> said Anita for a reason. Um, <laughs> but an absolute privilege. See, she has paved the way for so uh, many of us, not only women, but males as well. Without Shirley, will we even have a Barack Obama, you know? So an absolute privilege. That is absolutely awesome. So, Aaliyah, you were out there, and what were people's reactions to you? I actually did not receive a lot of reactions. Um, people walked by, they kind of glanced, like, what, what you doing? Um, I did have someone ask to take a picture with me, so that was pretty cool. And <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. Then another person actually kind of responded negatively, actually. But I continued to read her story continue to read her story, and they just walked away, so. Okay, all right, I, I hear did you. I did what Shirley would do. Okay. <laughs> okay, well then how, uh, what has she personally meant to you in your, in your life, in your personal life? In my personal life, she has meant a lot. Shirley was the type of individual, what she said is what she meant. She was not afraid of taking that leap of faith, and that's something that I struggle with, and probably many of us in the African-American race, uh, and not only African-Americans, but minorities as, as a whole, that's something that we struggle with, taking a leap of faith and not being concerned about what others think or the doors that could possibly close, like Thur Thurgood has said. Um, so, <laughs> so for me, because of the fact that I am going into computer science, it is a uh, male-dominant field. Not only is it male-dominant, but it's dominant, uh, a Caucasian-dominant field as well. So by surely working on employment amongst my minorities, I actually now have the chance to be presented with the opportunity to pursue computer, computer science as a career. So she's meant a lot to me, very much so. Thank you so much, Aliyah. This is amazing. Thank you. It's beautiful. Okay, Kirsten, how did it feel to play this character? At first, it was like kind of weird because I, I knew who she was, but I was like, how am I going to relate to this person? Because she's all like sciencey and I'm like very artistic. But then as I started like actually reading the monologue and like learning more about her, I found out that she was in anthropology, which is how I started out was with wanting to study uh, different cultures and stuff like that. And then I found out that she had been on Star Trek and I was like, Oh, okay, now I understand. Now I found like a way to relate to this person. Great. What were people's reactions uh, when you were playing uh, her role in uh, the different parts of campus? So mostly it was just like kind of like people just like, I'm trying to hustle to class, I don't have time for this. But um, there were a couple people who like came over and actually stopped. And then there was one girl who was like, I, uh, at the end of the piece I say, who am I? And she like thought that I was asking her to like guess. And she was like, oh, I, I just saw her on Facebook. I know who she is, but like, I can't think of her name. And um, it was cool that I was able to like, be able to um, give a name to this fake that we've been seeing on our Facebook and in our like black history posters and stuff like that. All right, that's great. What has this character uh, meant in your life? She is one of the people who proves that you don't have to stay inside of a box. She was so very smart that she was able to graduate like as a teenager, which is something that like many of us cannot do. Um, and she also like a lot of times people want to put you in this box of you can be pretty or you can be smart. She's both. You can ha have like more liberal arts and you can have more like scientific sort of things. She did both. Literally, like she says, don't be limited by other people's limited imagination. And that's how I aspire to be, is not limited by what other people think I can do. Amazing, absolutely amazing, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, Drew, <laughs> how did it feel like to play uh, the role of Muhammad Ali? Uh, it was super overwhelming at first. And then the more I read and the more I connected to him, um, I really, really appreciate, and I really, really was wasn't over, uh, wasn't as overwhelmed as I was at first because everybody knows Muhammad Ali. Um, like I'm a real laid back person, and I, I mean I am confident, but he he just took it to a whole nother level. Like even 
And um and like the Ali movie, uh Will Smith still couldn't get Muhammad Ali like real like he really was for the most part. So uh, um I really felt privileged. Yeah. I'll say privileged. Okay, privileged to play his role. Yeah. What about others' reactions to you? Uh, um, a lot of people just walked past. A few people um, actually walked by and gave me a head and I shook my hand and stuff like that. I mean, I really did appreciate it because like everybody knows Ali is the you know the double greatest. You feel me? So I mean, <laughs> so I mean for the most part, uh, uh, I could have got. Um, I could have been a little more loud, like loud, to be honest. But um, I did like what I, you know, the reactions I did get, for the most part. Right. So Drew, you did your best. You yeah. did your best. Yeah, yeah I tried. I, I tried. <laughs> okay. I want. I want to ask you, how did, um, th how does the figure of Muhammad Ali, how has he influenced your life? He influenced. Like I could probably speak for a lot of people. He influenced me heavily. I am a very confident person, and I don't think a lot of African American men or like men in general would be as confident uh, as far as not only you know like athletics but also chasing dreams. Because if it's something he was, he was a, he was you know the greatest as far as being confident. Not only for not only being an African American man, but also um, being a Muslim you know r religion. So. I really did a, you know, it was, it was fun in a way. Yeah. Okay, I'm really glad you had this opportunity. That's awesome, Drew. Okay, Brianna, Aretha Franklin, how did it feel like playing her role? Um, playing Aretha, it was an honor, honestly, um, because she was just such a great woman. She was confident. You couldn't tell her that she wasn't the queen of soul, you know. Um, but yeah, I w it was a great honor to play her. Right. That is amazing, and you did an awesome job, especially walking around and singing. That was beautiful. Brianna, what about like outside of the library? How did people react to you? Um, so at first, I was like kind of nervous because Adrian was with me, but it started, it was fun. Um, I did it the first time without a mic, so I was like, okay, ain't nobody gonna hear me, I'm cool. So then she made sure she called Demetrius <laughs> to have Demetrius bring me a microphone <laughs> so everybody in the cafeteria could hear me. Um, and then I had Josiah, Dean, Kent um, down there, um, Noreen. So it was like, I, it made me feel confident because I had good feedback from people. And then actually one girl was like, okay, Aretha. And the other was like, girl, I like your dress. And I was like, oh, thank you, girl, Fashion Nova. You know, <laughs> so we started talking. <laughs> and then like other people, when I got the microphone, she started, uh, people started clapping during the second time. So I, it was good. Okay. So a lot of positive feedback, you know, that, which is great. I want to ask you, Aretha Franklin, what has she meant in your life? Um, so in my life, um, Aretha, so Aretha had a child at 14, um, but that didn't stop her in her career. Then she had another child two years later. She kept pushing in her career. Then um, throughout the years, later, Later down the year, she was sick, um, and her weight was going up and down. You know, um, she had cancer, probably a couple times, whatever. But she still got on stage and sung. She still pushed forward through whatever she had to do. So me being an actress, it makes me feel like, okay, it don't matter if you're sick, keep pushing. You know, it don't matter what's going on, keep pushing, keep going. Don't stop just because you have a mild circumstance. So you know, looking at Aretha, how she kept going and pushing forward. It makes me feel like, okay, she, this is a strong black African-American woman. So I'm the same. You know, I might be young, but I'm still going to push myself as an African-American woman to put myself out there. So, yeah. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Keep pushing yourself. It's awesome. Okay. Round of applause, please, for these beautifully talented students. <laughs> now I want to direct the questions to you, and I want to ask you this. <laughs> How have the historical figures made a difference in your life? Any of these historical figures, what difference have they made in your own life?
Well, my name is Mr. Griffin. I go by Curtis, it's my son. Um, these young people made a big difference. Every time I come to this school, to Moraine Valley, they always have something new to offer that you just don't know or hear about. If you don't go to these colleges or you haven't been to college or you haven't visited, then you wouldn't get this information. You know, you'll go about your daily life and do the things that you normally do every day. However, when I come, I've learned so much from um, the speech team, um, the actors, um, their personalities, their character, new information about people. I've been on this earth longer than they have, and I didn't know anything about her. I didn't know about the nurse, and I'm in the nursing business, and didn't have any information on her of any kind. Um, knew about Muhammad Ali, who didn't? Um, <laughs> however, but uh, just to say the same, um, information is powerful, and it always will be. So um, it, made, it makes a difference in my life because the more I learn, um, the more information I gain, um, the better person I am, the more that I can teach my younger son and friends and uh, coworkers and things of that nature. So information is powerful. So it has made a big difference in me and I'll continue to do that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Information is powerful and Moraine has a lot to offer and with events like these, these events are very empowering. Other ways, uh, I'd like you know, for more people to share, other ways that these historical figures have made a uh, difference in your life. Okay, not being African American, um, I'm not gonna speak of how it changed my life personally, but I do appreciate just the event itself because it's so easy to know Aretha Franklin or Muhammad Ali because they're in popular culture and people or you know, um, hearing about them all the time, but you forget about the nurses, the astronauts, you know, people that are in communications, journalism, all that other stuff. They're very important, and they lead way for a lot of people, and they are just as important as people that are singers and actresses. But it's also very good because I know that a lot of you are in acting to use your platform for things that are good because it's so easy to like um, not use it, and it's just something that you have that some people don't have that are in other fields. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's good to know people in other fields besides those in sports and those in singing because they are contributing, contributing very well too. I'd like more, more of you to share. How have these figures made a difference in your life? And hearing about them today and learning about some of them today. More? Okay. Personally, for me, I think inclusion is important because um, a lot of the adults in our lives will tell us that you can do anything, and it is uh, uh, a good notion, and it, um, it's said with love, but it's more important to see that you can do anything. And when you see people who look like you in all faucets of life doing anything and everything that they want, um, it s further proves to you that you can. Right. Thank you so much. And the young woman here. Um, being here today and um, learning about these, you know, African American people that, um, you know, kind of paved ways <coughs> and broke milestones for, you know, African American to, you know, thrive more and make a better, you know, just progress in society and just gives you, you know, the strength to keep going, keep going, keep breaking barriers and, you know, all these fields that we wouldn't have an opportunity to get into and now that we know about them like this is the reason why I have all these rights and privileges and I can actually do all of this stuff now. Right, thank you so much. I want to ask, is there more? I just wanted to say one thing, that is that I have an enormous amount of respect for Muhammad Ali and, and did when he was alive. And the reason that I do is that he, from the very beginning, stated that he was diametrically opposed to the war in Vietnam. And uh, he said that he didn't agree with it and he wasn't going to play that game. And he paid a very heavy price for it. And he was willing to do it. And later on, when we saw other people, I don't mind mentioning their names, Ronald Reagan and John Wayne, 
who filed for exemption and never saw a day of fighting in World War II, came before the public and said it was everybody's duty to go and fight in the war. That's why I have so much respect for Muhammad Ali. And okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was awesome. Okay, thank you so much, Spencer. I, I want to ask the audience, uh, how have these historical figures made a difference in the black community? How have they made a difference in the black community? Your thoughts, please. Well, lived on the west side all my life and uh, lived in the worst neighborhood, grew up in the projects. Um, we have, took a long time to get great figures such as Muhammad Ali, um, the tap dancer, um, what is his name? Uh, Gregory Hines. Hines. <laughs> you get old, you get short memory, okay. At any point, um, it took a long time to get those individuals and, and get somebody to say, hey, you know, um, I want to be like him. I want to be like him. So I've watched young people grow up to say, I want to be like him. The great, the great Muhammad Ali, Gregory Hines, all of these different people, Michael Jordan, all these different things. So anytime you get people like that, and not just African-American descent, but any other um, good role model for your community, is going to uplift that community and every young man and young lady is going to want to be like someone so it's good to have those role models and it's good to know who they are and what they did because it helps contribute to form who we are and what we're going to do in our future so that's a good thing you know and so i've seen that and and lived that so thank you so much thank you for sharing your experiences more thoughts how have these figures played an important role in the African-American community. Share thoughts along with the gentleman here. Okay. Um, um, for me, um, they just became idols. A lot of us come from uh, bad neighborhoods and poverty, and they just kind of paved the way for all of us and gave us hope and uh, showed us that we can also um, be successful just like them and create and pave ways for other younger children. They serve as models. They serve as figures of hope coming from uh, tough neighborhoods, rough backgrounds. And the young woman here wants, wants to share ideas. They paved the way for um, equal opportunity. Like the lady that, um, I mean, the judge that allowed us to go to school to get the same education as, you know, I'm gonna say Caucasian people. Because as we know, like when you didn't have the privilege, I mean, when you weren't able to go to those schools, you couldn't get the higher top education. So give us equal opportunity to pursue the same level of education as, you know, other people and um, other opportunities as, you know, other people we didn't have. All right, so thank you. So one individual helps, opens the doors of opportunity to many, many individuals. I'm gonna ask the next and last question. Can you please tell us about other prominent African-American historical figures that have made a difference in the world? So many of them, okay. Go ahead. I'll take one, Martin Luther King. Okay. Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou, yes. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> who, who comes to your mind immediately? Okay. No. Well, Michelle Obama. Okay. <laughs> As of right now, and it's very okay. current. So. The young woman in the back. Okay. Barack Obama. <laughs> okay. Langston Hughes. Yes, Langston Hughes. I was gonna say uh, LeBron James as of now. Okay. <laughs> because he's. Uh, okay. <laughs> You're saying Michael Jordan. I'm saying Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Yes. Malcolm X. Who? 
Malcolm X. Malcolm X, yes. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, I don't want to. It's just a, what I would think, and I'll explain. But um, I think Derrick Rose has had a positive impact on not only, like, probably, like, fans outside of Chicago, but guys that's coming up in Chicago, they, they want to be like Derrick Rose. They look up to Derrick Rose, and Derrick Rose has been facing a lot of bad things. People have said a lot of bad things about him, but he didn't let that bother him. He didn't quit. He didn't stop playing basketball. He kept on going, and he also gives back. So it's like that's a great impact. Yeah, you got LeBron. Yeah, you got Michael Jordan. But let's get somebody that's really from the streets of Inglewood, of Chicago. Let's get somebody that's really been through all these problems that we are facing right now, and that's it's actually a current. So that's why that's who I think it is. Um, a lot of you guys may not know this, but Michael J uh, Michael Jackson is actually a really a prominent figure in the music business because he was the first African American to ever appear on MTV, which speaks volumes. Um, he is one of my biggest icons. I impersonate him. I love, obviously, I love dancing and everything. Um, but yeah, he, yeah, that's definitely one. Okay. All right, thank you so much. Okay, Drew. Chance the Rapper. Hey. Hey. <laughs> if you know, you right. know. Anybody else? <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, Kirsten. Wait, wait, wait. I was just gonna say that uh, Angela Davis, like, total icon. Oh yeah. I'm sorry, Viola Davis and Angela Bassett, yeah. and Cicely Tyson. Yeah. Jackie Robinson. Okay. Anybody? Okay. I know some of y'all not feeling Kanye West right now, but you know, we still, we still gotta give him some credit. Right, Kanye West. Mary McLeod Bethune. Mary McLeod Bethune. Yes. Okay, I'm going to say a name, and I want to know if you even know who this person is. Dr. Sylvia Jenkins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Sure. I have one more. Marva Collins. Marva Collins. I'm sorry, we're not going to take a lot of time, I promise. Marva Collins, oh my goodness, first black woman to give out education freely and, and teach kids in her house for the very first time to the, un, um, to the poor, children that was in the neighborhood. Marva Collins has two schools. She's taught um, President Bush kids. She's taught... So many president kids, it's unbelievable. Uh, Marva Collins' daughter um, opened up a school. They opened up a school on the west side of Chicago. And their educational level, most of the, her kids that come out of the school system, they go straight to Harvard, some of the big name schools out there. Um, she's been on the map for, oh my goodness, they made a movie out of her, things of that nature. She is much more, we need to give much more accolades to her. Um, if you don't know who Marva Collins is, please do yourself a favor. Um, look her up. Um, look at her accolades and things of that nature. Look at her historism uh, of all the things that she's done for Chicago by itself alone. Um, just a wonderful woman. Just a wonderful woman. People that you really should know. Um, I forgot about Marva Collins. Thank you, son. Awesome. Very awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Tiana. Can you hear me? Yes. I hope that everyone learned some valuable and new information. This will conclude our event, but first I would like to give you a, a round of applause to our facilitator, Dr. Armani Wisewise. Thank you. And, and I know that you've consistently applauded the students up here, Black Student Association, but I just want to remind you guys they're all full-time students. They have jobs. Some are in plays. So this was something additional and extra to their lives. And please give them a round of applause of appreciation. Yes. Yes. 
I especially want to thank you guys, especially for dealing with myself and Ms. A. Stewart in rehearsing. We really do appreciate it. Just a reminder, we have, <laughs> just a reminder, we have two more events left for Black History Month. Three more, sorry, which will be Curls and Conversations, the You Matter series that happens next Wednesday in U111 at 2 to 3 p.m. This is a student-only event, so if you want to learn more information, please find me at the end of the event. We have our Juneteenth Celebration of Freedom that will be facilitated again by, by Dr. Waswaz next Thursday in the library from 1230 to 145. And our last event will be the African Diaspora Day. Very fun day, so I hope that everyone can come out and support Black Student Association from 11 a.m. to 1.30 on Wednesday, February 27th. Again, I thank you guys for listening and giving them your undivided attention. Have a good afternoon.